Amen. So to get started this morning, I want to tell you a story, uh, a story about myself, uh, kind of um, a background of how I got involved in, in all the things that I got involved in this morning. I want you to say, be the bridge. Be the bridge. That's what we're going to talk about this morning, and I want to tell you a story about uh, me whenever I was younger. They've got some pictures they're going to go through this morning, but uh, how many of you have ever heard of Royal Rangers? Anybody ever heard of Royal Rangers before? Uh, Royal Rangers, uh, I believe, is a great, great program. In fact, I, I went uh, last night, I was thinking, I was like, man, how can I, how can I just illustrate what I'm trying to say this morning? So I went and I dug out my old, uh, one of my old Royal Ranger uh, uniforms, and I was going to wear it this morning, but it doesn't button up quite the way it used to. So uh, I, I just left that part out, but, but I went and I looked and I started reminiscing about how, how I was in Royal Rangers and... And, and how it was important to me. But, uh, but one time we went on a trip. We went on a trip and they took us rappelling. Uh, anybody know what rappelling is, surely? You climb all the way up to the top of this rock or this, this wall. For us, we climbed up a, a, up a side of a cliff. This is 12-year-old me. Um, so I went way, it went way back, right? Ten years or so. Uh, I went back and I found this and they took us rappelling and the scariest part of the whole trip was that I had to tie my own knot. I had to tie my own knot in order for me to come down um, from the top of the mountain, right? And this is me. I, I remember, I'm, I'm so, if you know anything about me, you know that I'm deathly afraid of heights. I don't like heights. You couldn't get me up on, on like an eight foot ladder. Uh, that's just how bad it is. But somehow I got over my fears and talked about it. And there, there I am tying the knot. And they tell us, you know, what you need to do is you need to stand with your very tippy toes on the edge of the mountain. And then you just need to sit down like you're sitting in a chair. Right. And, and uh, actually, right before that picture was taken, my, uh, the next thing I remember was my legs going up and my head going down. So I'm hanging upside down because apparently I didn't do something right. But anyway, all that to say that there, if you'll go back to that first picture, there were a couple of people who invested into my life and had gotten me involved in this thing called Royal Rangers. In fact, I was more involved with Royal Rangers than I was with my youth program at the time. And later on, uh, some other people would pour into me. But these two guys right here, was uh, their names were Commander Anthony and Commander Chris. These guys played a vital role in bridging the gap between myself and the things of this world. They, they mentored me. They helped me not only to develop life skills. I learned how to cook. Not in, I, I've never done it since then. However, I learned how to cook in a Dutch oven. Does anybody know what a, a Dutch oven is? It's the little pot where you put the coals on top and the coals on bottom and you cook we cook cinnamon rolls, and I learned just all kinds of different things underneath the mentorship of these two guys, but they were a vital role. And now neither one of them were on staff at our church. They were volunteers who came in every week, dedicated their time and their, and their, and their hours away from their family, taking young men like myself on trips and, and doing things with us and just doing life. And they were a vital role in bridging the gap between myself and the things of this world. So you say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, I'm going to tell you. Today we're going to talk about bridging the gap, and the gap being this generational divide between, between not necessarily just young and old, young and old, lost and saved, and all this other stuff. 
Today we're going to talk about, and we're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 15, and we're going to go through verses 20 through 32. And before we get into that, uh, um, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for today. Father, I thank you that, 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 no, matter, that no matter where we go or, or, or no matter how far we run, God, we can always turn back to you. God, I'm thankful for the people that have poured into my life, Father. God, and I thank you uh, that today what you're going to do, God, God, I pray that you would speak to us, God, in a mighty, mighty way. We love you and we thank you so much for what you're going to do today. In your name I pray, amen. So I'm going to get us started today on a little bit of a background story. So we've all heard the story of the prodigal son, right? And we always hear this story uh, from a point of view from the father and the younger son. The younger son, right, he comes to his, uh, no doubt he's, he's heard about this inheritance that he's going to get whenever his father passes away. And he comes to his, he comes to his father and he says, hey, hey pops whatever you call your dad or whatever. Hey, Dad, i got to talk to you about something. So I remember us the other day, and we were talking about this inheritance thing, something about some money, you know, some, some uh, let's just put it in our terms today. Hey, Dad, I heard you got a college fund set up for me, and uh, I don't think I want to go to college. So how about, uh, how about we cash that out now? I, I just, I feel like, you know, I don't, I don't want to be the same way that it's always been. I don't feel like I'm supposed to go to college, or I don't feel like I'm, I'm supposed to go the same route that we've always gone. So, so what do you think about me cashing that out early? What do you think about me going ahead and getting that money up front and just, and just doing what I want to? I want to go live life. I want to have fun. And I want to, I want to do what I'm supposed to do because, Pops, let's, let's, let's be real here. By the time you die, I might be old myself, right? They didn't want to do thing, he didn't want to do things the way that they had originally been planned out. And even in their day and time was, was culture. You just, as your parent passed away or whatever, you got, the, him being the younger brother, he would have gotten probably a third or so. It says that he had two sons. One was an older, uh, one was an older son, one was a younger son. So he, the, young, or the older son would have gotten more, and the younger son would have gotten less. He probably would have gotten a third of, of everything that was the father's. Well, anyway, bring it all about, the father says, okay, I I guess, you know, um, things don't have to really be the, the same way they've always been, so we'll go ahead and we'll cash out that inheritance. So he goes and he, and he gives him everything that w- would be rightfully his if, if the father was to pass away and all that. A couple days later, the son comes to him. He says, hey, Dad, I'm leaving. I'm hitting the road. I don't need you anymore. I'm ready to go do what I want to do, live life the way I want to live, and I don't need you anymore. I've gotten everything I need. He takes his money, packs up his things, and he leaves. Well, we all know how the story ends. He gets so broken, he gets so lost, he gets so desperate that, that he even, it says that he's persuaded. So he had to basically beg this farmer to go and to work for him, even to feed the hogs, right? And it's, obviously it didn't pay very much because he was starving himself to death or he didn't pay at all or didn't have good benefits, right? And so... He's starving to death, he's hungry, he's tired, he's weary, he's broken, and finally he comes to his senses, it says. He comes to his senses, and he, and he goes, and he says, you know what, I'm going to go back to my dad. I'm going to go back to my dad, and he says, I don't care if even if I have to come back as a hired servant, I'm going to come back to my dad, I'm not worthy to be called his son, I'm going back, and I'm going to live with my father, I'm going to work for my father, even my father's servants have the best of the best. So I'm going to go back, and I'm going to work for dad. He gets to his senses and he 
begins on his journey. And, and as he's coming down the road, it says that his father saw him a long ways off, or he saw him from a distance, and his father ran to him. He ran to him, and he met him where he's at. He, gra- he embraced him, and he said, he said quickly to his servants, he said, bring him a robe, bring him, uh, bring him a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, and kill the fatted calf. And so the party began. The party began because of his son that had come home. You see, but there's still one thing missing from this story that sometimes I feel like we get overlooked. Praise God that that a soul has come home. We get that part. But there's still one part of this story that I feel like that gets overlooked sometimes. And there's always a one person missing. The older brother. Where's the older brother in all this, you say? And that is who we're going to emphasize today, is the older brother. Because I want to talk about this, this generational divide, or this, uh, specifically, let's just look at it from this generational divide. Young and old, the, 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 uh, you know, the, these, these young people, right? I'm, I'm on the younger side, right? I'm only 23. These younger people don't do things the way they always did. They don't do things the way they always once did, Right? And there's this divide between generations or the church, us being the older brother. Let's just, let's just say that. We're going to look at the older brother being the church, the younger brother being the people that are lost, dying, and going to hell. And then, of course, the father, which we look at as God the father, the heart that he had today. There was only one problem and one thing missing from the story, the older brother. Let's go to the scripture today. It says this, it says, So he turned and he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And he said, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and he kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, and kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for the son of mine was dead, and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard the music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back. He told he, he, he's back. And he's told your father has told them to kill the fatted calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return and the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and he begged him, but he replied, "All these years I've slaved for you and never once have you and never once refused to do a single thing that you've told me to. And on all that time you never gave me even a young goat for the feast with my friends. Yet when the son of yours comes back after squandering your money on wild living, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf." His father said to him, "Look, dear son, you've always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours." We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he was found. There are three things that I want to go into the scriptures this morning. Three things that I believe that the the older brother or that we as a church, sometimes we neglect whenever it comes to those who are lost. Those who are dead and those who don't know the truth. I'm going to give you those three things really quick. 
The first thing is this. The older brother neglected to keep watch. The older brother neglected to keep watch. You see, in this day and time that we live, like I had mentioned earlier, this generation, this younger generation, they don't do things the way that they once were done. That's just the way it is. We've got people that live together and they're not married and this and that and they're living and they're doing and they're doing whatever it is that they want to do. And they're not doing things the once that they that 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 grandma or grandpa or mom and dad did. The younger brother that we see as this generation, they don't do things that we once uh, uh, that were once done. We need we have more teens and like I said, teens and adults attending church less regularly. They don't come to church like they used to. They're not here. Where are they? They're out there. But you see, there is a generation that is seeking for something more. They're hoping for something more. A younger generation seeking for hope. Let me tell you, we went to ULM yesterday. I encourage some of you just to look around, to get outside of Gina, to get outside of these four walls right here. To look around at all the people. So many young people that are lost and are hurting. Why aren't they coming? Is it that we're not keeping watch? You see it says the father that he watched day and night. No doubt that he every morning got up after his restless night before. Because he's worried about where where his son is. Wondering if he's going to come home. If he's going to make it home. He waited up all night and he's worried. He gets up in the morning. The first thing he does maybe he puts on a pot of coffee. And the first thing he does is look out the kitchen window. To see if he's coming down the road. See if he's going to come down the road. Is that him? I don't know. But he keeps looking, and he keeps looking, and he keeps looking, and he might go about his work, but at the top of every hour, he's going back to the kitchen window to see if his son's coming down the road. To see if he's coming down the road. Are we keeping watch for the generation that is longing and hoping for something more? Are we keeping watch for those who are hurting and are broken? Are we too busy looking down at our work? You see, the older brother neglected the reason he wasn't there is because he was too busy, no doubt, doing what he was supposed to do and taking care of the farm and doing the things of the church, but he was so busy looking down that he couldn't keep watch for, the per- for his brother to come home. Every day the father waited and watched and longed for the day that that son of his, his beloved son, would come walking down the road. We have to continue to keep our eyes. Yes, it's important. Yes, this thing has to be the, the, this, this church body right here, not the building. Forget the building. We don't need a building to be a church. I'm talking about the people taking care of one another, doing things for one another, this and that and the other. But we also have to keep watch for those who are longing for something more. We have to keep our eyes looking up and around instead of looking down too busy at what we're doing. We have to keep watch. That's the first thing that the older brother neglected. He didn't keep watch. He was keeping watch out the, at the kitchen window. And if his, younger, if his older brother would have been there, he would have been able to see his younger brother coming home. We as the church or the older generation need to ask ourselves that if, are we keeping watch for that younger brother? Are we keeping watch? You see, I believe for the older brother, the reason he wasn't keeping watch 
with the fathers because he was too busy doing the things, uh, doing the things that maybe he was even supposed to do. We need an older generation, a more seasoned generation. Let's put it that way. A more seasoned generation of adults who are speaking life into the young generation of this world. Because believe it or not, believe it or not, they are coming and they are there. All it takes is for someone to invest into them. These guys that I showed you earlier were a good, at that time, probably 30 years older than I was. But they saw a need to invest into a younger generation to build them up to take them in, take them under their wings and make them into or help shape them into the men of God that they were called to be. And the same thing it is for the women. We had missionettes, missionettes, right? Which was the same kind of program. But women who saw a need and they met it, see a need, make a difference. We have to keep watch for that generation who's seeking and longing for something more. People right here in Gina, Louisiana are dying going to hell because we have a church so busy looking down instead of looking up and around for those who need to know who Jesus is. We have to quit fussing and complaining and being too busy too busy to see all of those who are ready to come home. Now I get it. We're all guilty of being busy. We've got this. We've got that. We've got family. We've got work. We've got church stuff, which... If we didn't do church stuff, how would we have church? But we have to keep a kingdom mindset of watching for those people who are hurting and broken. The cashier at Walmart. The person in the drive-thru. Next door neighbor. Have to continue to watch for those who are hurting and broken. The second thing is this. The second thing that that the brethren neglected was that he didn't have the father's heart to run. He didn't have the father's heart to run. On the day that his father saw his son coming down the road, no doubt, I imagine it going something like this. He's looked out the kitchen window a million and one times, right? Because he's waiting, he's longing, he's watched and he's waited for the day. And then finally he looks out there and he sees this kid. This is what I would do anyway. He sees this kid, he's like, Oh, man, I don't know. Can I go home? Can I, I don't know if I can return home. What is dad going to say? Ah, oh, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't. And then the next thing you know, dad's coming up right behind him, embracing him with a hug and saying, welcome home, son. He didn't even have to come to the front porch. I can imagine the son turning off, walking the other way, and then he feels someone grab him from behind. And he says, welcome home, son. I'm glad you come home. I'm glad you come home. You see, we have to have the same heart as the Father had, as God the Father. He doesn't wait. I tell our youth all the time, it says that Jesus doesn't wait for us to come running back to Him. He's always one step behind us. And all it takes is for us to turn 180 in the other direction to see Him standing behind us. He's been, he's been there the whole time. All we have to do is turn around and meet Him face to face. Let me tell you something. We always want to say, well, you know, one of the mistakes that I believe that the older brother made was that he'd written him off as dead to him. Nah, he's gone too far. He's, he's done too much. There ain't no way that fool's coming back. And if he does, he should be ashamed. Let me tell you something. 
There ain't nobody that should come through those front doors right there and have to feel shame and regret for coming to a place where they need healing. Let me tell you something else. They shouldn't be having to come through those doors. We should be going and getting them. Nowhere does it tell us that we should say, oh, well, we're going to sit here and if they want it, they'll come and get it. No. We should be going out there reaching those who are lost, hurting, and broken in a world of hurt and brokenness. Going out into the the highways and the byways, seeking and saving the lost. Here in Gina, Louisiana, there's people all around us, no doubt. In every house, think of all the houses that you pass on your way here. Maybe one in five houses, one in ten houses. There's someone dying and going to hell on their way. And we've denied them the, 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 the knowing who Jesus is because we haven't went and told them. Because we're waiting for them to walk in our church doors. Why should they have to come? We should be going and getting them. We have to have the same heart of the Father to say, well, I'm going to keep watch out that kitchen window. I'm going to look for every opportunity to go running and to, and, and to tell someone about who Jesus is, to tell them about how he saved me, to tell them about, to, 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 to tell them about the, the life that they could have if they would just come to know who Jesus is. We should be going out there to get them. We have an evangelism team that goes every single month. We go prayer walking. If it's raining, we pray at the church. We want to know why are we having revival in this city? How many people are going and getting them? I'm just being honest. How many people are showing up who are interceding in prayer for this, for this lost generation of people who are dying and going to hell? How many people are going and knocking on doors and saying, hey, we're from Sanctuary. We just want to know that, that we're praying for you. We love you. Can, can we pray with you about anything? How many of us are knocking on the door of their homes and saying, I don't want anything from you. I'm here to give something to you. We have to be, we have to be keeping watch. We have to be having the heart of the Father to run the race. We can't just simply pass on the baton to somebody else. We can't do it. We have to continue to run the race beside them. Run the race beside them and disciple them. We need people who are, who are going to sit with them and show them love and compassion and grace. And, and even if they do mess up, to say, you know what? I've, I've messed up too. Nobody's perfect. But I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to walk here with you. I'm going to study the scripture out with you. Yeah, you say, well, pastor, that's what we pay you for. We've all got to be in it together. All of us, together as a, as a, as a body of believers. We wonder, well, why haven't, why haven't we grown? Why have, where, where's the people at? Have you brought anybody? Have you invited anybody? Have you begged them so much that they're going to come and they're going to try it at least once just to get you to shut your mouth? I mean, come on. I'm being for real. If it, that's what it takes, then do it. The worst thing that they can say is no. The worst thing that they can do is say no to you. Keep watch. Keep running with the Father's heart. That's what we need to be doing. And the younger brother neglected it. And that's why he also didn't have anything invested into his younger brother. He didn't have anything invested into him. If we had nothing invested into him, what do we care? 
What do we care? Why do we care if they're dying and going to hell? We ain't got no time and money invested into them. I mean, come on. Let me tell you something. There's something about if you'll just... We have anywhere from 20 to 30-something young people who show up on Wednesday nights who are longing for something more. Longing for just to be loved, if anything. And if we could just have some people who are going to sit beside them and just talk to them, eat dinner with them. That's all they care about. They just want to know that there's someone there that cares about them. Telling them of who Jesus is. Showing them who Jesus is. And we show them by doing. We show them by, by living that out. By being beside them. By discipling them. Showing them that Jesus loves them. Whether we believe it or not, there's a generation, this younger generation, searching for something more. We want to say, well, they're, they, they're, well, this, this world's going to, you know what, a handbasket. Well, yeah. But we've also got to have people going and getting, discipling them, making disciples. It doesn't say that the disciples came to us. We need to be going, getting, and having, having a heart of the Father, being connected to the heart of the Father. Running the race with endurance. The last thing is this. He didn't celebrate his brothers coming home. He did not celebrate his brothers coming home. He was so angry, so bitter, so already callous, he'd already made up in his mind that he was not going to he was not going to take a stand for his father giving away some of his stuff. Right? Because they had already split the inheritance. He'd already split the inheritance. So, so anything that was left, right, he'd already squandered all his stuff. Anything that was left would have been the older brothers. Given that his father had passed away, and likely the older brother may have even gotten some of his stuff. But everything that was left would have been his older brother's. It would have. I have no doubt that he's running through his mind. Something maybe even I would do, right? We're fleshly people. What are you doing giving away that? That, that was supposed to be my ring. That was supposed to be my calf. I, was, I worked hard to get that calf ready, to, to whether it was to make the sacrifice unto the Lord. That was supposed to be mine. And I'm mad because you gave it away. You let this son of yours come back and he took away the stuff that was rightfully mine. For us, what is that? What is your fatted calf? What is it that you're not willing to give up in order to sacrifice for the generation over there? Is it a church building? Is it a seat? Is it money? Is it finances? What is it? We've got to ask ourselves that question. What is our fatted calf? What is something that we have trouble giving up in order and sacrificing for that younger generation and then celebrating? See, for the older brother, it was that he was angry because he'd come home and, and they'd killed the fatted calf that no doubt he'd worked so hard to, to get ready and to prepare for and take taken care of. And, and, and they killed it and, and he wasn't even invited to the party. No one came and got him out of the field. No one came and got him. Shame on them. They're the ones who messed up. I have a right to be mad. I have a right to be angry. When really, he should have just celebrated his brothers coming home. There's a generation lost 
hurting, dying, going to hell, but they're also looking for hope. They're looking for something more. And they're looking to us. In fact, we have a lot of people here that are looking to us. I asked our worship team to come back this morning. In all of this, we have to ask ourselves, how are we bridging the gap between those that are lost, dying, and going to hell? What are we doing? What are we willing to sacrifice in order that that next generation or those people are coming back to know who Jesus is? No doubt we're all guilty of, of having something that's hard to sacrifice. Something that's hard to give up. Something that, 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 that there, there cannot be any non-negotiables. I want to use that all the time. Well, I'm not giving up this or I'm not giving up that. There cannot be a non-negotiable. We have to be keeping watch, running with the Father's heart being willing to celebrate those who come back to know who He is. You see, it's not about us, church. You guys are all good, right? We're all saved. We're ready to go to heaven, right? Party. But it's not about us. We're not called to come and sit here and to hear a good word or to listen to good music or to drink coffee and eat donuts in the back. We're here make disciples, to see people coming into the kingdom. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Here's what I want us to do. This is how we're going to end our service today. And we'll give him an extra 20 minutes next week. Here's what I want us to do this morning. If you're in our kids' church, if you're in our kids' church, all of our kids, I want you to come and I want you to get as close as you can and just line up down here. All of our kids, come down here this morning. Thank you.